out there, horror fans. Welcome back to Selling the Stream. I'm one of your hosts, Jed Donaldson. With me today, as usual, is my co-host, Josh, the Red Rocket Yoakum. Man, we're, I think we're sticking with all the, the wrestling themes. Okay. Okay. I, I got, or do I, wait, is this just that I have a, uh, a, a dog penis on my shirt currently? Is I, that... I did not want to comment on the lipstick, but, uh, you know, it's the, it's the elephant in the room. You got to <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I just want to point out that it's not always going to be wrestling related, but sometimes. Okay. Okay. You know, yeah. I got I got a list. I'm working them through. <laughs> nice. Uh, nice. Okay. So, uh, Josh. Yes. How you been doing? I've been doing okay. Just uh, you know, just got through. Um, I'm coming off the the Friday the Thirteenth high, even if uh, I know it was a little disappointing on your side. That's that's part of. I think learning to love Friday the 13th is learning to love them like the ones sometimes that don't go the way you planned. So I, I forget that we record these and then release them sometime in the future. So I was like, why are you talking about something that has not been out yet? But what do you mean? It's happened. We were, we dear listener, you are hearing this live. <laughs> uh, nope, you're not. <laughs> I'm going to ruin everything. Every bit that comes out of Josh's mouth. I'm going to ink. We're not going to pretend we're gonna be honest. None of this fake news podcast bullshit. Okay, we're we're uh, real games journalism. Yes. <laughs> you gotta take it seriously, or no one else will take us seriously. Yeah, I've uh, I, I have been doing well though. Uh, just uh, you know, doing some working up here in the Pacific Northwest, hanging out with the boy, getting ready for the uh, the the lesser holiday the post Halloween post Friday the Thirteenth holidays but yeah that's how how have you been? Ah, uh, you know, same old same old. We're still living that COVID life. Um, yeah. I guess we are shortly after the election, uh, so yes. things are looking up ish. Yeah, it's <laughs> like mean, we can see a slight change in elevation ahead. We're <laughs> it was exciting for a couple days and and now terrifying again yeah kind of <laughs> just keeps going it's 2020 the gift that keeps on giving well i there's this this period between when the new person gets elected and when they start that like other countries don't have and i, I like if i get fired from denny's like i don't get to come in and just keep making grand slams man like I, I I don't get. I yeah no I agree yeah it, it definitely feels like there's something that needs to be a little different. <laughs> I mean the, nobody's finding out about this by horse and buggy anymore. Like we can. <laughs> how about how about I mean let me throw throw this idea out there and see what you think about it. What if in the time period between when the old president uh, leaves and the new president comes in. They have to share the White House odd couple style. Okay. And be be filmed for a new reality TV show? Yes. And at the end, one has to marry The Bachelor? Okay, I'm sorry. Okay, my all right, so yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's... Uh, but we do we talk about politics here? Not that... I mean, we, we kind of do because we there's a lot of these movies that are political, but do we set out to talk about politics here? <laughs> I think maybe it's a, a secondary objective of the show at this point. <laughs> but, you know, you, you are right. This is Selling the Screen. We don't always talk about politics here, but when we do, it's 
pretty left-leaning. Yes. Uh, we talk about horror movies, specifically ones that my good pal Josh here has picked out in an attempt to engage me and, and, and transform me from the complete and utter horror neophyte that I am into a fan of the genre. Um, he's picked out a list. He's checked it twice. Uh, I don't know about Naughty and Nice, whatever, blah, blah, blah. It's wrong holiday. We're getting there. Today, we're going to talk about probably probably a little lesser known film. Maybe, maybe not a lot of people have heard of or seen this movie. Yeah, um, we got outside of genre fans. That's pretty yeah, fair to uh, We've got a little, little something called uh, Captain Cronus Vampire Hunter, released in 1974. It's uh, a Hammer production, and that's a... That's that's got some lineage, some pedigree there. It does. I I I was a little confused on and when I went back on on a re-listen to our, our let the right one in episode. You'd mentioned how did they get, this get made? I'm I'm wondering if I either missed some episodes where they talked about Hammer, or if perhaps you were thinking of Canon. In which case, I do apologize that this is not a Canon movie. I, I will get you to watch a Canon movie sometime soon. You know, I think you may be right. Okay. Although it would not surprise me if a Hammer film had creeped into the How Did This Get Made uh, line. Yeah, I think they, they maybe have like mentioned something in passing, like, but I, I don't think they've covered any as far as I'm aware. And they've covered several canon films, which um, – That's problem. That, we'll get you there. know, that sounds <laughs> – I'm, I'm not infallible. You know, oh, they fucking yeah. crucify me, I guess, because oh. I made the mistake of, of mixing up canon and Hammer. I well, mean, me, and, me and the witch Amelda Marcus will um, – <laughs> <laughs> she's gonna hold the nails you're gonna hammer them in (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah this is a this is a hammer movie this is a this is kind of um released towards the twilight of of hammer's years as a as a film company um they have come back recently somebody reacquired the name and they actually um speaking of uh let the right one in they did the uh the remake the american remake they co-produced that uh, the the new hammer um i've done like yeah. I was just going to ask, um, you know, we were talking about how Hammer Productions is kind of a, a storied name and they have a kind of a reputation. Do you want to throw some names out there of stuff that maybe people might recognize as being Hammer films? Maybe something they have seen, maybe something's got a little more cachet than Captain Cronus? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they did um... – if you're familiar at all with any of the uh, Peter Cushing and uh, the uh, Christopher Lee and Ingrid Pitt vampire movies and Dracula movie, the, the Frankenstein movies, and they, they basically did like all the universal monsters again. So they had huge hits with, uh, you know, Taste the Blood of Dracula and uh, Curse of Frankenstein and all these um, like updates of, of, of universal monsters. They, uh, They'd been around a little while before that, a little bit like a, a, a new line cinema situation where they'd been like kind of a distributor for like other films and had some minor successes. Um, the big thing with them that got them super popular was that England before America got away from the like code code era movies and they really had it. They had an X rating, which is basically our R rating. It's not it's right. Not. <laughs> so they were able to do a little bit more in their horror movies than was possible in America at the time. So like in a, in, for example, famously in, in Dracula, they couldn't show Bela Lugosi getting out of the coffin. Like that was, that was deemed too frightening for audiences. So they like show the coffin, cut away, come back. He's out of it. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, not for the faint of heart. 
<laughs> getting out of a box. Different, different times, I guess. I mean, this is not too far along after like a train coming at you would would cause you a heart attack. Someone right, shooting yeah. the screen. <laughs> it's it's just it is hard to wrap my head around that level of, I guess, naivety. I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the so the the what the X certification let them do kind of at first was just make them a little bit bloodier and you know you you'd never get like a gruesome death but you would see like house paint red blood on everything um yeah very lavish productions too and this you know these being british movies like post-world war ii british movies so like they're still reconstructing like 10 years later so they're pretty drab and dreary and they, they, they have these movies that take place in the countryside and technicolor and like people are wearing you know royal clothing and stuff so it's it's kind of a a right time to strike for it. Um, more like kind of after the the the, the blood wore off, uh, loosened a little bit more. With you got to see some of them titay just on on the screen. So uh, ar- around this time, um, the late '60s, like early '70s, that was kind of what their hook was, as they kind of lost a little cachet. Like they had a lot going for them in those early years. Right. Um, then stuff like Rosemary's Baby and Psycho and Night of the Living Dead started coming out and kind of started eating their lunch a little bit on like the, the gore front. So they kind of had to figure right. out what they were going to do next. <laughs> um, I, I will say like the other thing Hammer's known for, I mentioned like Ingrid Pitt and Christopher Lee, like, and I will get to it in this movie too, but like the, the people they tended to cast in these movies were, I were fucking snacks. They were, they were some, some very attractive people. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> Uh, I mean, specifically in this movie, we'll get into Carolyn Monroe, but I think she's just, she is a knockout. Like, just one of those faces that you're just like, wowzers. <laughs> um, which, you know, again, I think the, you know, not to just be the hetero point of view, I, I think the guy they got to play Captain Kronos, he can't act very well, but he's a, he's a good looking German he's, dude. <laughs> he's, he's got a bit of a hunky vibe going on, I guess. If, yeah, he's got if that, I can that, say that. That long, those long flowing locks. Uh, maybe not, uh, maybe not ripped like a like a Marvel star would be today. But no, I mean it was it was the it was the seventies, man. Nobody fucking looked like that. <laughs> like, um, uh, yeah, but around this time, there's a lot of um, the 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 big thing in the early seventies for them was a lot of lesbian vampire movies, uh, which you know. Sure. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get we'll get into some of those, and I, I think this one kind of falls in that camp too. Um, a little bit. Uh, the the main we'll we'll get into who the the main vampire is in this because part of it there's there's a little bit of a whodunit structure to the story, but um, the vampire at the heart of this had also been at the heart of a couple of other movies that came before. So this falls into something called the Karstein trilogy, where it's based on Carmilla, which is actually a vampire novel. It predates Dracula. Um, I think that's that's a name I'm vaguely familiar with yeah it's it's if you kind of know gothic fiction it's it usually comes up it's you know maybe not on those top tiers but you know it's it's discussed um not spend too much more time on the kind of the background but the the this was directed by brian clemens who's mostly a writer um this is his only film directing credit he did a lot of stuff for the avengers tv show um and I think if you kind of know that influence, you can kind of see it here and be like, oh, okay. Um, 
that's the the British Avengers, not the super. No, Hulk, Hulk, Thor. Um, the, it was a British TV show. Just, uh, I mean, really, there was a big lawsuit after like Marvel like ripped them off like just a, a year later and introduced the uh, the comic Avengers. Like, hey, right. That's no, it was it was the, it was the British spy one. The. <laughs> uh, he also did, uh, speaking of, of, of how did this get made and movies that show up on there, he wrote Highlander 2, um, which if you have, if you've not seen Highlander 2, oh boy. <laughs> I have, I have seen it. It has been a long time. Yes. But I do remember it being batshit crazy and yes. basically having nothing to do with the original. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a lot, a lot of cocaine involved in the making of that film. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's a little bit of the background. I guess uh, do you want to get right at what end of this bad boy is? I, I feel like jumping right in is probably the, the best way to go about this. Okay. Um, this is not this is not going to be a deep dive into like um, all the psychosexual. Yeah, there's not not a lot of <laughs> heavy hidden meanings and themes to go through here. This is uh, I I would I mean I think maybe you had mentioned something to this effect on on a message that you sent me a while ago um yes but this one kind of feels like a prototype for a, like a big budget summer action flick yeah yeah this this very much feels ahead of its time in a lot of ways and also like really of its time in a lot of ways too right. um and it's it's what i kind of like about this era is that they like the stuff they were making really wasn't working for them so they were they were kind of going hog wild on stuff like one of the other movies they make and maybe we'll get to this one too is they made a um a movie with the shaw brothers um about like seven kung fu fighters fighting dracula (laughs) (laughs) i think i can get into that (laughs) but this is kind of in that same vein where this is more of a um swashbuckler movie that has horror and vampire elements in it i i almost kind of thought you were going to ask this, the same question you've asked a couple times like is this a horror movie Cause... you're uh you're totally biting my style here josh <laughs> that, that question was coming <laughs> <laughs> okay well do you, do you want do you want to ask me that question or do you want to just get right into it i think i think instead of asking the question i'm going to just make a statement this is not a horror movie <laughs> yeah I, I again i think there's um I think the the lineage of the studio and I think the 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 trappings of it put it in the horror camp but it's 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 horror if you also consider Van Helsing horror like it's it's horror if you consider like the mummy the Brendan Fraser one horror like yeah I, I I would I would I think I would classify this more as like an action adventure sort of movie than a than a horror film yeah, yeah. I think the that that is that is a fair assessment. And like I said, I I, I kind of wanted to get in on some things that I think touch it. And I think it's with its lineages in Hammer, and just how it uses the vampire elements. I think there's still enough for us to still enough meat on those bones. We'll 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 make a feast here. I think it's definitely worth. I think we can definitely have a conversation about it for sure. Yeah. I just, <laughs> um, your definition of horror t- seems to be much more broad than mine, and maybe that's a fault of me that's that's on you that's 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 no it's it's (laughs) i i I think it's a um 
I don't know if I always want to have this conversation just because it's a, 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 I think it's in some ways it can be either used as gatekeeping or it can be used as somebody saying like, oh, this is good for horror. And that leads me to like put my hand on my hip and be like, hey. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I know. I don't I don't want it to I don't want it to come off that way. Yeah. But I am going to ask this question for every episode. So you can't <laughs> audition. Is this horror? <laughs> I think that's going to be a new segment. <laughs> <laughs> is this horror? Um, so I, I think it's kind of a cool way to start this. It's uh, it's basically we get the first, and I'm not going to go into all of them because it, we get this kind of same repetition a few times. But I think there's a, a, a few things that are worth kind of talking about it, with it. Um, basically, the, the story starts off with young women are being attacked by a unknown assailant, which later on you you find out is a vampire. But you know what's what's the title of the movie? Um, <laughs> And having their their youth drained away from them. Yeah, um, I I, uh, I actually I watched this with my wife with Lisa, and yeah. uh, I turned to her after the first couple of victims and said, "This vampire is out here turning people into the stunt doubles from Spaceballs." <laughs> <laughs> it's probably my. I, I think there's a few good effects in this movie, but for the most part, it's very Doctor Whovian. Yes, and it's um they definitely swapped out these attractive young women with like blokes they found down at the pub is just like you you want to come in and put on a dress for a laugh <laughs> get five quid pack of crisps <laughs> that's offensive probably accurate <laughs> that i i've been told my my impression of a 65 year old british man from the 70s is, is immaculate so well, i mean <laughs> I didn't say it was wrong. I just. <laughs> it's, um, it's, a, it's an impression of its time. Yeah. Yeah. But I think there's, there's, there's some neat things that are in these scenes. Like there's the whole, um, not being able to see the, the face of the vampire in the mirror and having it be like the cloak that's being held up. Um, having, um, the, when the vampire walks by the, the patch of flowers, they, they all die. Yeah. I, think, I think that stuff's kind of cool, like even if it's easy yeah. and obvious. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I will say um, is that I think they had big ideas for this movie. Oh, yeah. That's, and that's did not always have the yeah. means to, um, to adequately express those ideas. Like they didn't have the budget or the technology to do all the things that they wanted to do. Um, there, <laughs> Particularly, you find out a little bit more about our hero, Captain Cronus, later on. Um, but he seems to have slightly supernatural abilities or, or at least enhanced physical yeah. <laughs> abilities. Uh, they <laughs> they they show this in the movie by having a, like a, a shot, a close up shot of him standing next to someone else. And then they cut away real quick, make a sound and come back and he's gone from the picture. And then they cut to him somewhere else, indicating that, you know, he has super speed. And he can move. Uh, yes. Several times the the female lead in the in the in the show it was like leaning on him and he moves so fast that she falls over or at least that's what supposed to believe it it's it is kind of a cheesy effect but yeah you get what they're going the for it's well, effective though. it's yeah. effective for what what it is um, yeah. and even it even though it is cheesy and you can kind of point at it and laugh a little bit I don't think it detracts from the movie yeah and I think yeah. it's a, a a really cool way to do this. You know, like you were saying, on the budget and having, yeah, still making it feel fairly grandiose and epic. Um, 
it's got it doesn't always stick that landing i will be the first to admit it's it's very campy in a lot of places but i think that Mm -hmm. i think that's part of the charm of it um but we we meet our 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 character who incites our our um our our hero captain Cronus, to come to the village this local doctor marcus basically finds one of the victims he doesn't really know what's going on but he suspects vampires so he, he summons his old army buddy and his, his old war buddy yeah uh, captain Cronus and, and his assistant friend uh dr hieronymus gross yeah uh, and we get the we get the you know this is all pre-title sequence and then we have what i think are possibly the longest opening credits on record <laughs> <laughs> they're 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 up there Give, give them people them credits. That's uh, yeah. I mean, it's almost like a full end of movie title reel, like credit reel roll, uh, <laughs> just filmed over shots of this guy horseback riding across green fields. <laughs> it looks, it looks um, vaguely Monty Python and the Holy Grailish at this point. Yeah, and I think uh, especially with the the victims, the women being played by the men in dresses, there's there's a little bit of that. Monty Python-esque feel to it. I, I'm not saying that to detract. I just I want to you yeah. know set it up so people know what uh, what they're getting into when they when they watch this. Yes, um, it's that it's that sort of thing. And if that's just too much for you, I yeah. I understand it. It wasn't for me. You know, it's like I said. I think if you if you accept that it's was made in the 70s and they didn't have an enormous budget. Yeah. Is a you know smaller production. Um, again, I I, I want to reiterate, there's big ideas in here. Yeah, I think one of the things like I you know we can kind of touch on it now, but this was um this was planned to be like a series. Like it it, it didn't do well, but it was and and you can see by the structure of it, which we'll kind of talk about that it 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 feels like an episode in an ongoing thing. It feels like you're, um, you're right. kind of in, in, in the middle of like, like almost like this is a backdoor pilot for a like Hercules style TV show or something. Like, Right. With, without giving away whether or not I, you know, you sold me on this movie or not. I, I will say that a big takeaway that I had was that I sincerely wanted them to remake this film. Like, yeah. In modern yeah. times. Like, yeah, I think I think that's a that that would could be a cool thing. Um, but just again, kind of like basic overview. We get a we're in the story. They they do a lot of world building and they basically touch on that. This guy is a from some unnamed war in some unnamed European country um, is a vampire hunter. He ends up picking up a um, a woman who's coded as Romani to um, mm-hmm. to to come like saves her from the stocks. He's in the stocks um, for dancing on a Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> and um, we get to uh, – she gets to be a little bit of an exposition machine. I, I think Carol Monroe's great. I think not only is she, like, really attractive, I think she's a really good um, – especially physical actress. I think she's really sure. good at responding to other people in scenes. Um, I had I had no qual- no qualms with the performances in this movie, even from, you know, our, our lead who is a bit wooden at times. He's, he's also dubbed. He's, his his sure. accent was very thick, um, but yeah, it's uh, they end up coming to investigate this mystery. They're trying to figure out like if this is a vampire, which they very quickly deduce that it is, and try to figure out some way to fight it. Because one of the things they establish is that vampires aren't all the same; that they're um, 
there's as many different vampires as there are like predators they they go into with like some exposition and that right they, they're like their motives and methods and uh weaknesses you know they uh the, the professor what grossed yes yeah yeah um what he doesn't know about vampires wouldn't fit a flea's codpiece i <laughs> i want to i want to make a point to to say that for a movie that kind of you know you look at it and and we've even said you know it's kind of cheesy kind of campy kind of you know I was really, really surprised by the quality of some of the dialogue. Um, like some yeah. of the lines in here are really, really nice and and really quotable. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of zippy parts um, to it, and I, I I think especially I think the movie as a whole is great. But one of the things like I, I think is there's a there's one scene in this movie that I could like live in. I think it is just it's. It's what I – if you are not already on board, it is the scene that I'm going to try to, like, build everything around. Okay. <laughs> um, um, but we'll, we'll, we'll get there. Um, but it, a lot of this is just investigation and kind of world building and establishing, like, what – how they determine what type of vampire, where the vampire is. Uh, the the whodunit aspect gets narrowed down pretty quickly because you, you know that um, – the royal family in town, the the Durwards, it's the, yeah, the very notes. heavily implied that it's it's one of them, and the one that's most thrown out there is a uh, the the young sister of the it's it's a brother and sister and their their mother, um, who is um, obsessed is very vain and obsessed with her own beauty and youth, right. Um, but both her and the brother are also like they, they talk about how the lineage they come from is they are known for retaining a youthful appearance um, for a very long time. Um, so we get we get some some twists and turns that the, the doctor who summoned them gets turned into a vampire. They have to figure out how to how to kill him. Um, that That's kind of their key to unlocking the whole thing. Uh, they They go to the castle. They end up confronting the Durwards who they think are the, the, the final vampires, but no, it's, it's, it's their elderly mother who um, is, has actually been the vampire and she's been disguising her face with, with like wrinkly makeup uh, and point, stuff. So point here. Yes. Is she actually the vampire or is she just like a, a necromancer or a mystic and her, it turns out her, she's bringing her husband back t- to life. Well, she's the one who's kind of more directly based on Carmilla. And I think just, based on like the the title and stuff i think she is a a type of vampire but i also think based on kind of some of her dialogue i think she's somebody who probably turned themselves into a vampire like through some sort of um dark magic or blood which isn't unheard of in in vampire right. stories like um that's I um i don't think that this matters one way or the other for the story yeah. it's just when you finally do see you know the big reveal at the end she she's her husband had died from the plague and she brings him back to life. And, you know, yeah. the whole thing is they don't suspect her really because she's supposed to be in such grief that she can't eat. And and you, anytime you see any, her bad any partner, or she like, looks like she's just yeah. withered away and she's all let herself completely go. And she looks so old and aged beyond her years, um, which turns out to just be a mask, which I don't know why they didn't figure that out much sooner. But it's, a very, it's a very bad mask. <laughs> it's, it's, it's an awful mask. But the, her, her goal was to bring her husband back to life. Yes. Um, and when we see the husband finally, you know, he's wearing the, the cloak that the vampire who you've seen in the attacks earlier has been wearing. So that's kind of what I thought. I was like, 
she was she brought him back and she was sending him out to to get the vitality that he needs to to fully come back. Yeah, and I, I think it, it could also so be much uh, as being the vampire, more as the behind the scenes, like almost see, like a necromancer. So you think it's more of a more of a Black Sunday situation? Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, which is which is funny because as much parallel as there is, I think that's the first I drew that as well. So <laughs> good on you for noticing this very obvious thing. Um, but I, I do think. Um, she is implied to be behind at least some of the attacks too. Like maybe oh, absolutely. It's the she, two of them together. At the very least, she's like, she has something to do with it. If, if yeah. not actually being out there, which it's quite possible. Cause there's a lot of uh, like misdirection. Like weirdness stuff. weirdness yeah. with time and, and weather and, and people who like get mesmerized or hypnotized. And we know that's her. We know that's um, yes, her, that, her that's, power. She, yeah, they, they demonstrate that, that ability for her several times. Yeah. So, um, like I said, it doesn't it doesn't affect the outcome of the movie at all. I just kind of wanted to to dig into that a little bit because that's yeah. And, 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 like I said, we're going through this pretty quick, so we're definitely going to get back and touch on on some more of this stuff. But they with with the husband, uh, Cronus comes in, saves our our female lead um, Paula or Carla. Carla, I'm sorry, I'm just disrespecting Carolyn Monroe there. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but is is able to save her and the and even the Durward children who have been hypnotized now by their by their mom um, in a in a sword fight with with the dad is able to like finish off the mom as well and that's where we get our ending where I guess um, after Doctor Marcus died uh, Carla just got that house that's... just moved in that was that was my take too I was like well why is she going my wife said, "Why isn't she go? Why isn't she going with him? Why is she just staying?" And I said, "Well, so the town needs a doctor. <laughs> I guess she fits the bill." <laughs> I, I, I mean, I think the the real reason is, is it's like the '70s, and it's just like uh, we, we can't possibly imagine a world where Captain Cronus only fucks one woman. Uh, right. No, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I think they definitely were going for like a Mad Max sort of thing, where this is just <laughs> one chapter in his story. Yeah. And the next time you're not going to have the characters that were attached to this town be a part of it at all. Yeah, it's just to be like him and probably Gross. Like that's that's probably be who would recur, or, or maybe the uh, the Durwards would be like a, a recurring villain that came back or something. If, if right. anything. Um, but yeah, that's uh, I, I think this is just a very campy and fun piece of piece of filmmaking i think it's a it's one of those things i think i i before i kind of started diving a little bit deeper on horror and being like i need to fill in some of these gaps in my in in my you know because i i really hadn't seen very many hammer movies until fairly recently Mm -hmm. um i was just like oh that's that's why people like talk about these movies and like them like that's (laughs) this is very enjoyable (laughs) there's something there okay (laughs) um but like I, I've I've written out notes for a lot of different scenes here, and there's definitely one scene I want to get back into because I think it it again it's the it's the linchpin of, the, of this movie. But okay. where where do you want to go? What do you want What do you want to talk about? I'm I'm interested to hear what scene you think is going to sell me on this if I wasn't already sold. Oh oh e- easy okay. Um so in the course of their investigation, um which is kind of a long drawn out process, but he even kind of says uh, Captain Cronus says like uh to marcus at one point like uh i am sure like there's all these victims you you expect us to go charging out into 
into combat, but you know, to fight a vampire, you have to be prepared and you have to know what you're up against. Like it's, um, yeah, he's, he whole, says the whole process. He says something to the effect of, uh, you, you would know as well as I, that, you know, it, the war taught us you should be prepared before you just charge out there. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, in, in the course of their investigation, they, they figure out that, um, one of their tools is if, if you bury a toad by the side of the like where the a vampire has tread. Yeah, there's like a like passed. a folk like a folk rhyme that they you know he, he says he I don't remember exactly what it was but there's a little rhyming verse, um, yeah. something about burying a toad and if a vampire comes by you know it'll come back to life, uh, and he said like most of these folk rhymes there's a grain of truth in there. Yeah, like um, the the one I've heard is. Um, if if the vampire movie has camp, selling the scream must make it a champ. So it's it, like like <laughs> all folk rhymes, there's some truth in it. So. <laughs> um, but they they they've been able to determine because of the the frog has come back to life that um, there's a coach involved, and they go to a nearby village to try to figure out um, who might have been driving this coach. There's asking questions around the right. village. Um, so we're introduced to a, a a fairly couple fairly minor characters here for this scene. Who would, there's a, a little bit of establishment for the the coachman. Um, oh, you mean, you mean budget Robert Zadar? I was gonna say if um if Robert Zadar was the model for a wax museum Edgar Allan Poe and started to melt. Um, <laughs> Harsh. I, I go I go that extra mile. <laughs> He um, knows that somebody is is asking around for a coach um, at this bar, and he hires a local swordsman, a like kind of the 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 bully that everyone in this town fears, to kill right. the people who are asking questions. Basically, start a fight. He's just like um, a like a mercenary or, or I don't know, maybe like a thug, a criminal guy. He he just seems to be a step yeah. above everyone else in terms of his ability to to fight. Where most other people are probably farmers or shopkeepers he I, has, it, so. I i love how they demonstrate this this is like i think this is there's there's two parts to this scene and i, I do want to talk about both of them but his, okay. his introduction he comes down the steps and uh he's he and his cronies i think as well have just been with a a prostitute in this bar right <laughs> um and all at once yeah i was i was, i mean they kind of seem like uh maybe they like to watch but I mean, they kind of seem like they wanted to do whatever he wanted them to do. So, yeah, <laughs> maybe he needs that. <laughs> they have to be baking a pie while he stands in the corner while it cools off. <laughs> I am not here to yuck yums. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think if you engage in the services of a sex worker, you should you should pay them what you have promised them. And he does right. not. He gives her less, tells her it's more than tw- twice what she's worth. And she gets suitably upset about that and then he right. says oh, i'll give you the rest and throws it in the spittoon and they all spit in there and have a have a good laugh but there's there's one guy there that doesn't think it's funny he thinks he's being rude um but then we get to how i feel whenever i tell you a joke and it doesn't land um where this guy caro just says why aren't you laughing laugh <laughs> Yeah. Um, and uh this, this poor man. Yeah, he he tries to draw steel on on Caro and Caro has has a the blade at his throat 
before he can even get it out of the sheath. Yeah. Um, and and makes him laugh, like to, to, you know, laugh louder, louder, louder. Yeah. He he's not laughing satisfactory satisfactorily at, to begin with, and he makes him do it until he's satisfied. <laughs> Which I, I again I. I I think this scene, I think this is the scene like maybe they built the whole movie around because we get some cool details here. We get like these, these for characters that are very side characters in a, in a setting we don't really see again until the follow up scene on this. There's a, uh, a blind woman in the corner. Like, I wanted to talk about blind woman. She's my favorite character because <laughs> they get a lot of uh, a lot of background with her in there just groping for her wine glass. <laughs> There's just a lot of establishing shots saying, yep, she's still blind. <laughs> <laughs> but like we also have, uh, you know, I, I think this is kind of a pre cantina scene like from from Star Wars. Like it's it's, oh, yeah. it's it's it's, you know, this this hive of scum and villainy here. And we even get the the bartender is the dude from Empire Strikes Back that uh, works for Lando Calrissian, the guy with the 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 like earphones that were like oh, built no into shit. <laughs> I like, I liked, um, I don't know if it was in this scene or if it was in the, in the next scene in the bar where the bartender realizes that stuff's about to go down and he has reached under the, the counter for this gi- giant wooden mallet that he's got to solve problems. <laughs> <laughs> like he's going to stop this before it starts. <laughs> I, I like that. There's, there's another like neat character work thing where, uh, so Captain Cronus ends up coming in, and we know that that Caro's bad, bad news. He's a he's a he's a bad motherfucker. Yes. Um, but he's only built up, you know. Again, like we get into the wrestling terminology, you gotta you gotta make uh, Kamala look like a real threat before you put him up against the Hulkster. So <laughs> um, we we get Captain Cronus coming in and starting to ask his questions, and and Caro is trying to pick a fight because his assistant, uh, Doctor Grost, has a uh, has a mouse-shaped back. They're calling him a crook back. A little bit of a hunchback going on. I, yeah. I will say, first, first, Caro does attempt to goad Kronos into a fight directly by questioning whether or not he was a deserter or a coward. Oh, yeah, yeah. And like Kronos that. doesn't bite. And then he goes so after so his buddy, and that's when that's when Kronos gets a little angry. And I, and I love the line he gives him, too, where Caro um, asks, uh, like, did you win your battles or did you lose them, Captain? And he says, little, little of both, not enough of either. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, there's some really quality uh, dialogue in here. Yeah. that I, I love that as the tension like ratchets up in this scene, the the bartender and his wife just keep squatting lower and lower behind yes. the bar. Every, the, the reactions in this scene are tremendous. Every time a little, a little back and forth volley verbal uh, fencing goes on, they cut back to the, the bartender and his wife. And they're just they're crouching down even more until finally they've completely ducked behind the bar, so they're out of harm's way altogether. <laughs> um, but we 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 do have a little bit. We got to dress a little bit. There's there's a little bit of Orientalism in this movie, but I think it's also like 1972, 1974. Like I'm I'm not totally forgiving of it, but I think it's prevalent then. If, I mean, yes, this is. When you're watching a movie from a time period like this, you can say this is not cool. This this stuff should not be here. However, yeah. you can make a little bit of an allowance because at the time period, that's that's kind of just the way it was. Right. Yeah, or and, wrong, I, and it's absolutely wrong. It shouldn't be that way. But 
It's just it's a product of the time. Because because not only does uh, Captain Cronus he wields two blades. He's got a, a saber and a katana. Yes. Um. He also gets into his this battle ready mode by smoking Chinese herbs. So <laughs> it's implied he's got some sort of you know mystical Eastern there, training. Yes. There's or something. there's a lot of mysticism here. Um, yeah. I want to. I know we haven't left the bar fight yet, but I wanted to point out again how it wasn't until the the bullies picked on his friend that he decided to actually step in and do something about it and how protective he actually was of his friend. Like I, I yeah. thought that was really, you don't, I mean, I guess you don't see that a lot. It just, it struck it. It stuck out to me as something worth commenting on. Yeah. And they, they even have a, a scene afterwards where he, he consoles his friend because his friend is genuinely hurt by the things that were said right in, in the bar. He's like, am I really so hideous? And, I, I do like that's sort of a thing you wouldn't see very often um, in a movie today. I don't think, or not at least not this type of movie. Yeah, and I, I, and I don't. I think this is clumsy just because it's 1972 or 74. But I also kind of think with this stuff at least that it's it's heart's kind of in the right place. Like mm-hmm. it, even if it's not doing it that well, and even if it's also a movie that thinks it's a bit of a loft to put old men in dresses and like, have this Eastern mysticism stuff and not really find very much for Carolyn Monroe to do in her role. Right. What do you but, mean? She's bait. <laughs> but they do give her like, um, as uh, Captain Cronus is like trying to console his friend, he's kind of stumbling for words and they give her the line like, well, you know, I think that you're, you're the con basically the content of your character, like a good heart, is forever, but your looks always fade and yes. you, you're, you're going to have that forever. And that's when Captain Carnes was able to kind of say like, Oh, and also like you have the body that God gave you, like as he was fumbling for words before. So right. They give her that little bit there, but back, back to the, to the, to the bar scene, to our, to our mysticism here. Uh, I, I love that, uh, you know, they they keep calling his friend crook back and asking like how he, how he sleeps at night. If he has to dig a hole for it or, yeah whatever and um captain cornus's response the you know that's the you call him by his name i don't i don't call you rat face fatso loud mouth <laughs> just takes it up to the level where they they're gonna have to strike first they're they're yeah. he enrages them um and we've already seen caro draw on somebody faster than they can even get their blade out and he he does the the spaghetti Western gunslinger instant sword flash kills three men with one sword stroke. Yeah. Before they're even able to touch him <laughs> Yeah. The, without getting up. <laughs> and the, yes. And it's, it's like ridiculous. It's, it's over the top. It's an anime scene and a, not an anime movie. And it's also like the, like the death, the deaths and the, 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 the drawn out falling down. <laughs> it's so over the top. Yes. But it was so like it fit for what just happened. Yeah, and I, I think that's part of like what I find really charming about this movie is it's like it's it. I think that's the stuff that it's like way ahead of its time on. I feel like you wouldn't get some of that, you know, in movie in action movies of the time. It's, it's <laughs> I almost even if say, it's playing on those like yeah, I almost want to say that this movie is surprisingly smart. Yeah, in how, I, I, in how it does some of this stuff. I, I, I also think so. I think you're, I think it does. I, one of the things I kind of wanted to get into is that 
I think the world building here is really good. Like, um, just the, we don't know what war Captain Cronus fought in. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's set in Styria, which is, um, like in modern day Austria, but they never really say that it's, it's got that very, um, Castlevania, like we're going to use some place names, but they're not really going to correspond. It's just going to be, you know, this is in this range of years somewhere in central Europe. <laughs> and yeah. they build the world outward from there. Like, um, it, it, it very much, uh, reads like a, like almost like a Castlevania sort of thing where it's the, even though they kind of give it more of a real world setting than the, the kind of the fictional place that Castlevania is set in. Like yeah. they kind of give it just that kind of, it's this time period, you know, roughly where it's set go. <laughs> yeah. And then I think that gives them a, a, a cool launching place to kind of build their world where you have vampire attacks as like a real concern and that there's, you know, there you have these vampire hunters out there who are, part detective part warrior tracking down these things and killing them in specialized ways like i thought i thought more than once while watching this i was like this is very much like the witcher like i mean that's like a current thing to to tie it to but like it's tell me i'm wrong (laughs) yeah yeah i think it's it's that's a that that is a great reference point for people if they're kind of thinking about whether they want to check this out or not is i this is like lush technicolor some Doctor Who special effects. I fairly, I admit, there's a, there's a, there. We get a returning champion from Suspiria, the the spirit Halloween bat. <laughs> bat attack. <laughs> um, we get some real candy corn teeth with with Doctor Marcus later on. Yes. <laughs> but even that was was neat how they kind of showed them growing in while he's talking. Yeah, yeah, and that's. Um, we can kind of talk about because I think that's another really cool scene too. Is the um, so Doctor Marcus went to check on the Durwards, and we know that he had some sort of encounter afterwards with an unseen, well, the the hooded right. assailant in the woods, but that he left alive, and he's still accompanying them as they're trying to work out where the van. They're using a, a a local young girl as bait. They're watching. Um, and she's attacked by a, by a vampire and killed before anybody can get there. But, oh no. <laughs> you say attacked by a vampire. I say something to a toy bat in the face. <laughs> I like to here because they've already established that, uh, that Carla and, and Captain Cronus are, are doing a little fookin and uh-huh. he, he settles down to watch the girl they're using as bait, just like perving on her, like just fucking horny on Maine. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the the two of them watch her pull up her stockings and then start making out. <laughs> I was like, all right. <laughs> It'd be like if in that meme picture with the guy turning around and his girlfriend all mad, like that, like the next moment was him turning back to that girlfriend and both of them just being horny as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, Mark Marcus finds out that he is has he, he's able to deduce he's the one behind it because he shaves the next morning and he's he's got some cure eyeliner on and has, um, yeah, he's, he's I, growing younger he's, yes he's, it, i thought that this was this was well done because it was obviously just like makeup and stuff but yeah. i 
I saw what they were going for before he said, "Oh, I'm I'm becoming younger." It's like, "Oh, he looks younger here." So yeah. Yeah, because he had he had like salt and pepper hair, and now his hair is all black, and it's... they've 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 applied some makeup to kind of smooth out some of the the wrinkles on the actor. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean that's what I'm saying. Even though the the effects are clearly dated, they're effective yeah. at pull, pulling across what they're trying to get across. Yeah, and I think that's what can be said for a lot in this movie, where it's the you know we kind of hammered on it a couple times, but they they really do a good job with what could be like, if you just saw the scene in isolation, be like, Oh, that's cheesy. But like in the context of the movie, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm on board because all the other stuff is, is kind of firing on all cylinders. Mm -hmm. Um, but they, (laughs) he comes out to, to speak with captain Cronus, tell, tell them that he thinks he's the vampire and gets, gets a wallop across the face. And, uh, they, (laughs) They 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 pull him in. He starts freaking out a little bit, so Cronus decks him. <laughs> but then they gotta try to figure out like, uh, and I think this is kind of a cool like, you know, again a, ties it a little bit to let the right one in, where you you get the the horror of of Doctor Marcus realizing what he's turned into, and that basically right. he he doesn't know if he's gonna be damned or not, but he just he wants to be killed because he doesn't. Yeah, he said he's he he thinks he's going to be James. Like I killed that girl. This, I, this yeah. is, my soul is stained. I'm going to hell. Um, and we have a little bit of uh, a little bit of you know Cronus not wanting to kill his friend, saying you know hey I I overcame this. <laughs> Maybe he can too. And you know Doctor Gross says he's not the man you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's um, again kind of the the mythical stature they're they're applying to captain Cronus here as they're, yes. as they're building up it um because they, they've established his backstory at this point that yeah he he had returned from the war and when he returned from the war his beloved mother and sister were both vampires and they attacked him and turned him and you don't know exactly yeah. how he got healed but yeah, yeah he's got he, scars you, yes it, it is very much like a like a blade sort of situation yeah um, I love the one scar that's in the middle of his body that just kept making me think of the um, walk hard. Like, oh, he's got the worst case of being cut in half I've ever seen. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that that scar led to one of my favorite parts. Um, number one, Captain Kronos lives to get his shirt off. <laughs> I don't know if he's got like a severe allergic reaction to cotton or what, but that man, like, unless the scene absolutely requires a shirt, it's off. <laughs> Uh, but the, and, and he's not shredded, but he's in he's in good shape. No, he's, he's fine. He he yeah. looks he looks like a perfectly fit man. Like he's yeah. not he's not ridiculously shredded, like you said. But you know he's fine. Yeah. Um, but then the the scene I'm talking about is uh, Doctor Marcus comes to find him. I think it it may have been the the time where he tells him that you know he's getting ready for battle and he's smoking his Chinese herbs. Yeah. yeah. And Doctor Marcus just like kind of tenderly touches the scar on his side <laughs> and says, Oh, I see my stitchings hold up. Wells. there's not really like, like a homoerotic undertone or anything like that, which kind of, I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into it. Yeah. Well, it's just I think, kind of seemed a little out of place. I think if there's any, if there's any homoeroticism in this movie, it's not, it's not between the male characters. It's between her, our vampire and her victims. <laughs> but, sure. Yeah. Yes. All right. But then another one of the really great lines came out of that scene where, where the the doctor, as he's leaving him to to prepare, he says something to the effect of, 
I, you know, I'm not calling you a coward. I know you've got guts. I've seen them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I thought you were going to go with another bit. Cause like right after that is the first time that, um, Carla and, and Cronus, uh, get together and uh-huh. both Marcus and Grost see it and, uh, it, it cuts away from it. And, and Marcus says like, uh, Oh, like I've got a, a, a splendid bottle of like vintage wine that I've been saving for a rainy day. And it's perfectly clear. And Gross holds out his hand. Like it's pouring. <laughs> That's another example of the really like snappy dialogue here. Yeah. Yeah. It's, Cause, it's cause very the doctor, fun. The doctor turns and sees her sneak into the, the barn right after he leaves. And then Dr. Gross comes out of nowhere and goes, uh, I like wine and I play chess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's like, we're gonna, we're not going anywhere for a while, man. <laughs> it's part of the preparations. Wink. <laughs> but back to to Doctor Marx's death, or they need to try to figure out what can kill him because they also establish here that a vampire only bleeds at the moment of their death. So mm-hmm. the first thing they try is the stake through the heart, and I, I, I love these stakes. I love that their stakes are not like daggers their stakes are like swords <laughs> this no, is it, what i like about it is that it seems like they've been they're they've been specifically prepared to do this sort of thing yeah like, not they, just breaking a chair leg off they've got gear for the yeah. for the mission that they're trying to accomplish yeah and they even show later he's got like the, the garlic flower puts on as mm-hmm. he goes to fight the vampires and stuff and they've they've got like the different equipment they would need to suss out and destroy whatever type of vampire so uh, there's, there's some tension here while they drag out the uh, staking him in the heart. Yeah. Um, but then there's a kind of a cool scene where, you know, they cut away. They don't actually show the stake going in, but you get the hammer and you get the grunt of pain. And then they pull the stake out and there's no blood. And they show like a, a puckered wound on his chest that's not bleeding. Yeah. And he's like, whoa. <laughs> um, they try to hang him. They do all the. <laughs> they do all the, the, the Vigo, the Carpathian stuff to him, I guess. Right. <laughs> um, but the the last thing they try and what ends up kind of like freaking him out and they have to restrain him even more is they they try fire on him and they they don't even get a chance to try it because he's panicking so much that uh, Captain Cronus uh, inadvertently stabs him with his own iron crucifix and that's uh, right. the it, that makes him bleed and it kills him and they, that's how they figure out what what weapon they need to fight this vampire but leading think, to oh, another really, cool. really awesome scene where they desecrate a grave to pull the iron cross on it to make a sword to kill the vampire. Yeah. And, and they, they, again, they, they, this, this scene serves no purpose, but to like build up Cronus's bonafide so that you believe that he could like win a fight with a vampire, mm-hmm. uh, where all, all the villagers think that he killed Dr. Marcus. So like a group of like 10 guys. Yeah. Dr. Go. Dr. Marcus is like uh, assistant or someone, who, a handyman who helps around the house, like sees through the window kind of what happens without the context yeah. of what's happening. Yeah. So all, all the villagers come to avenge him and they, they try to kill Cronus and Cronus is able to disarm all of them without he just handily beats them. Yeah. He doesn't, doesn't kill him, just takes her weapons away and shows that they don't have a chance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this was not a, this was not a well choreographed fight here, but there no, are I... some that are okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's a lot of good direction and good camera work. Cause apparently the, um, Horst Jansen, this German actor that they basically hired, like, for because he looked the part, um, right. was not very great at the stunt work. Like they they had to they had to hide that 
<laughs> quite a bit with 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 the editing. Um, which, like you were saying, I think sometimes it works really well and sometimes it doesn't. I think the the final fight scene they make work well enough. Yes. Um, yeah, like uh, so we we got we got some. Do you want to talk about like any of the, the the victim scenes, or do you want to talk about kind of the final confrontation, or any other? Yeah, I, the, stuff grab you. I wanted to talk about the um, not or the, the Derwards because we had we had the the first girl who was killed before the credits. Yeah. Uh, and then her friend went back to her home and then that her friend's younger sister is the next victim. Yeah. She goes, Got a bracelet from the mother. Right. And then after the after the funeral for that one, uh, someone else from that family goes to the church and we have this cool scene where you see the there's like the big crucifixes like dominating the scene and casting the shadow on the wall. Yeah. And as she kneels down to pray, the arms of the crucifix come down and you realize it's not the cross baking the shadow yeah. and she's also attacked and killed by the vampire which i thought was it was a really cool scene i thought even if it looked a little little again again a little cheesy just the idea of what's actually happening there is enough to uh get me past how yeah, because we also get we, we get spirit halloween bat here too so like if, if yes. especially if, i think if that loses you right away then this this next framing effect and how how this part is executed works and i think what's really cool here is that they they find the body and they're ringing the church bell and you can see that the church bell's been like all splattered with the house being blood too yeah which yeah a strength of this movie is that i can see how someone could watch a movie like this um not this movie but something in this you know in this vein from this time period with the same kind of uh budget and production going into it i could see someone saying oh this movie looks terrible it's so cheesy it's so dumb um but a strength of this movie is that even though it has those same sort of effects and i feel like i'm just repeating myself over and over again but i can't i can't stress it enough it works (laughs) because of all the rest of the stuff that we're talking about the the context for these things matter yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's an awesome setup for it. I I, I fully agree with you there, and I, I think that's they also do enough. They put enough care into it that you know it's not just you. You can kind of feel the heart to it that mm-hmm. lets you wave off some of those things a little bit more. Right. Um. But yeah, I I, I I like that one quite a bit too. I, I like too that like part of what they're able to figure out like what the vampire is is um, there's a little bit of a misdirect scene where you see a, a woman, you think she's being attacked by somebody. Turns out she's only being sexual assaulted until she likes it. Um, I Yes, this scene, I turned I turned my wife and said, <laughs> what was the deal with like the rapey shit at the beginning? Because they seemed perfectly happy with each other. <laughs> Again, that's their, that's their kink. It's, they, it's a little, little light rape play apparently at the beginning where she acts like she's being murdered. Uh, or sexually assaulted, and then she's just like, "Oh yeah, I'll see you tomorrow." <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but that's how we we have a witness is who was able to describe, and, and it's kind of a cool thing where it's he's watching her walk back home. He can see her home, but there's yeah, just a there's brief moment where she goes couple, under a hill, a couple of dips, yeah, where she goes down a hill and then up a hill and then down a hill and doesn't come up. <laughs> yeah. So he doesn't know what happened and he's like getting concerned. But as he's getting concerned, she starts to stumble back and 
lo, lo and behold, we've got like Roderick <laughs> so, <laughs> stumbled on up. But um, that, that gives them kind of that that license to uh, to have 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 the witness there and to, to, to kind of write off some of the uh, effects work with some neat visual storytelling. I think it I think it works pretty well. And that goes that goes right into the scene. Am I right? That goes right in the scene of Professor Grust burying dead burying toads. The toads, yeah. Which yeah. I don't know what the right number of dead toads to have in your hat is, but this guy had too many. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, all right, we're going to bury this dead toad, and if it comes to life, we'll, we'll know a vampire's been here. It's like, well, how, where, where do we need to bury him? Oh, about every six inches will do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What 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 cracks me up about this scene is like, you see him, you know, he's digging the hole, he's got the box, you see him pull the dead toad out of his hat and put it in the box and bury the box. And then they kind of explain why they're burying the box. And, you know, uh, they mark the spot where the box is buried with like a little red ribbon so that they know where to check again. And then it kind of pulls back a little bit. And this whole area of the forest is just festooned with red ribbons. <laughs> There's like <laughs> a dozen or more of them. It's like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. They're, I mean, they're, they're, uh, they're committed. They're, they're they work hard. So, um, I, I, I do really appreciate, again, I'm going to steal the formula of my same joke of someone as someone, but the, the guy who plays Paul Durward, the brother really reminds me of, of Tim Heidecker, like playing, uh, Michael Sarah playing Liberace. (laughs) (laughs) This is a deep one. (laughs) Multiple layers. (laughs) But I, I, I like them as, as red herrings, and you find out at the end kind of maybe victims are set up to be, like, in a sequel sure. or something. Yeah, they, they definitely um they definitely came up off as victims, especially at the, the very end, you know, the finale. Um, yeah. I, liked, I liked that it was, a like, a period piece, you know, you know, noble brother and sister, and it wasn't played, like, creepy or incestual at all. It was just, just pretty straight. <laughs> Uh, just close and affectionate. It's yeah. without kind of yeah. The um, I, I I the one bit of character work that I forget the actor's name who, who plays Paul that I really appreciate is um after Doctor Marcus comes to visit and, and finds his like book sitting out on like necromancy and witchcraft. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, when he's speaking with his sister uh about their mother and he's just making a feast of like grapes and this goblet. And he's just scooting the plate closer and closer to her as he speaks. And it's it such, I it's such a choice. It's, I thought he that? was great. <laughs> I liked everything he did. Like all the, like the facial expressing, the, the intonation of the, the speech that he was making, the, the choices. I, I, I thought he, I enjoyed what his character was the whole time he was there, even for as yeah. little uh, as there was there for him to do. Yeah, the, the and I, I think the 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 sister plays a good red herring too. Like it's some of the things in context. Like it's like okay, well, I guess she just like likes to sinisterly blow out candles in her house while she stares at people that are staying the night there. <laughs> but well, they definitely go out of their way to make you think that it's her. Yeah, yeah, that's. Um, but I, I think I think it works well. I think that the the thing that doesn't work well, and I, I again, it's it's the the effects here, 
I really wish they'd either gotten like just an older actress to play the mom or they had made it more of a makeup effect and not a mask effect. They had no problem with swapping out dudes earlier. (laughs) I know that's like, that's what kills me. I do think though that this kind of hinged on the fact that it was a mask and that she actually didn't look like that. Um, But I understand, I understand what you're saying that, um, it wouldn't have hurt like him have to have her... someone else play her when she wasn't. Yeah, or just have her wear, wear like a veil thing, or like right. um, yeah, just have her, her face be obscured. Yeah, I think but... I think you're right there. That it was a little silly, <laughs> especially because I mean, you can see like with the mask, you can see the actress's like clearly young eyes behind the mask. Like every time she blinks, it's like right. Like, do her children not look at her? Like I can understand like. The... <laughs> the people who don't get a real good look at her while she's going by in her carriage, but like her children bring food and, and drinks to her room. <laughs> and gave her a conversation. That her eyes were not completely inside of her eye sockets. There's a, a gap there. <laughs> Maybe that's that what her the, mouth the, doesn't move when she talks. <laughs> that's what, that's why the, the sister was so afraid of growing old. She thought that's what it looked like. That's what it looked like. They just didn't know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, 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 I like them as characters, and I think at the at the so the, at the end of it, you find out they're like pretty completely in the dark, even though they are made out to be a little sinister and be a little kind of hoity-toity and bitchy. Um, it's, it's it's questionable whether or not they were in on any of it, um, but I think that question was kind of put to bed for me when she actually kind of enthralls them to get them to do it. <laughs> she wants once it's revealed that you know she actually is young and and yeah and that she's brought back their father that she's their their father who we already know has been introduced like uh captain Cronus has visited his grave um they they had a scene with dr marcus where they talk about how he died of the plague and um the mother blamed dr marcus because and they've talked several times about how this guy was apparently like legendary a swordsman incredible with a sword like (laughs) Yeah, so they, there's there's a lot of build up for him when he when he comes back in, and uh, yeah, she just enthrall her kids because you you at this point they, I think I think even the daughter is basically like uh, how dare you and like kind of running at her and that's that's yeah, what this is insane. <laughs> yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> but this leads to one of the things I think is really cool and really kind of gives it like that anime set piece type thing here and I think makes the sword fight work even though if. Horse Jansen apparently was dog shit at, at doing these sword fights. Right. Is that you have the um, he's able to come in and she tries to kill him and he's got a reflective surface on the blade and does right. like the Medusa. He's prepared. He's prepared for what he's doing. Yeah, and it turns her gaze back on her so and that she ends she's up, yeah, mesmerizing herself. Yeah, and at this point she's already mesmerized her children and she's mesmerized Carla too. Yeah. So you've got the, these... the ability is established and you you understand what happens even though there's not really an effect showing. Yeah. But they also get to then be used as props in this sword fight. That right. uh, my, my wife commented in. that it was kind of uh, she didn't care for the fact that she's like, man, it'd be the sword fight would be more exciting if the you know, everyone wasn't just standing around, you know, <laughs> hypnotized. And I said, actually, I kind of think that adds to it. Like there, this intense action scenes going on, and everyone else in the room is just utterly powerless to do anything. Like they're just yeah. They can't move, they can't speak, they can't think. 
Yeah, and I think if, if you us. if you wanted to have a deeper read on it, I mean, I think who who can move and who has agency in this movie is definitely uh, a a way you could a, a way you could dive deeper mm-hmm. <laughs> in into like a, a a political point. But we're not really that's not that's not the point of this one. So, <laughs> um, I think you really have to do some gymnastics to get there, frankly. Well, I mean, I think the thing that I I, I can tell you, like, if this were made now, and I, if for a movie that feels as modern as it does, like, I, I, I kind of harp on how little they give Carolyn Monroe to do, right. other than just scare at him, stare at him googly-eyed and be like, he's a king, is he? <laughs> lay, lay down like a dog when he's doing his mystical meditation during the sword crafting scene. Yeah. Which consists of shirtlessly kneeling down on the ground with a, with a napkin <laughs> over his head. For a approximately a full day uh well that's that, that's actually a real thing that's uh that's that's the nightly vigil that's um when a squire was going to become a knight they would they would do that for the the day before they got knighted oh well fuck me then no but i, I think that's a <laughs> uh, it's it's kind of cool that they they base that on something no that that does that nope. changes the the read of that scene as silly as it looked if it's based on historical stuff then all right yeah yeah they get their homework <laughs> but i think like if this were made today like would have figured more into their plan or been sure. more instrumental even if she didn't have total agency at the end i think she would have I, some I bigger part been okay with that like i said yeah and i think this movie please yeah and i, and I don't i don't think a, a remake that did that would be at fault for doing that i would encourage them to mm-hmm. um there's a but, lot of stuff they could clean up there's a lot of potential here even yeah. even as well as i think this movie does there's a lot of potential that's untapped and, and, and getting back to that 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 sword fight, I think one of the things that's cool about um, how the because they do use them at one point. He goes behind um, it's mm-hmm. Hagen. He goes behind his children during the sword fight, and and that's kind of a you know we already know Hagen's bad news bears, but he's he's willing to fight through his children to try to right, which leads Cronus. Cronus to protecting them with his bare hands by grabbing the sword blades so that they don't get injured. Yes, yeah. Um, and you know, the, the, and maybe a, just a better ending would be okay than just Gross running in like with to get the sword like Cronus here, bring the sword and then stab. <laughs> Although it, it did lead to a really cool scene where you know he he runs the guy through, pulls the blade out, and and blood splashes on um, the mother's face, and we see you know that immediately breaks the spell. Yeah. And we see her, you know, the blood has come down one side of her cheek and she's crying out of the other one. She's got one bloody tear and one actual tear, which I thought yeah. was incredible. What, then, what an awesome scene. <laughs> and then Cronus kills her and you get the cool, like, effect of the mask upstairs that she'd been wearing, like, shattering. Oh. And you, you come back and there are skeletons on the floor. Yeah. And those poor kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that too. That's that's again just a. Do you assume because she she told them not to remember anything? Do you think that that part of the spell broke when the whole spell broke, or do you think that they just came downstairs and then the next thing they know, their <laughs> parents are dead on the floor, <laughs> one of whom they already thought was dead, but. <laughs> <laughs> and then Captain Cronus just like looks at them like, well, just like, bye, I'm fucking out of here. <laughs> Throws a sword down, leaves. <laughs> I, I I love to like anytime I do research on movies like this. Anytime there's a blacksmithing scene, there is nothing that makes real world blacksmiths fucking angrier than seeing blacksmithing done in a movie. <laughs> it's like that's out of order. 
Remember, you'd break the blade. What are you doing? <laughs> the the one the one uh, you know nit that I'll pick about the blacksmithing scene is that I really wish that the finished product looked more epic than it did. I, I was expecting to be like a they pulled off that giant metal cross. I thought they were just going to transform that whole thing into a sword, but they just, just kind of made it into a giant ring. like. Dice Makes a lot more sense, but I thought it was going to look more elaborate than it did. <laughs> it was just going to go full anime at the end, like the I mean, theme song and <laughs> flashing lights. Why not? <laughs> it, it does get close enough, I think. <laughs> There's definitely some parts. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to, trying to think what else, what else you might want to uh, touch on to. I, I, again, this is, this is a, a very small thing, but I, I love when... Cronus uh, and Marcus first reunite when he comes into into town, and then they they do the uh, the the predator like arm yeah. grab. And it's just like, what's the matter, Marcus? They got you pushing too many pencils. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, I fully expected uh, biceps to be shown there. I, I also like want to talk to like I think some of the locations in this are really cool. Like I think that graveyard is a really cool location. Yeah. I like I like the um the Durward's mansion. Obviously the tavern. The tavern feels like, oh, man, it, it, that feels like the most spaghetti western part of this. But I think I think it works really well. I I, I kind of love that they have that the the blind like woman there that doesn't figure into anything else she, she doesn't have anything to do with the movie at all i kind of expected there to be something like maybe she heard something or you know i for how much st- attention they paid to her i thought she would for sure have something to do in the movie but nope i just wanted to show that people could be blind <laughs> you know I, I, you hate to see like i don't know i i don't want to sound like i'm saying like oh i'd love to see that like the disabled is window dressing but i i think there's a there it does more world building it does more like because yeah. it, it feels like there's a story there that you're just not getting that that's who is this woman here that they're focusing on (laughs) you think it's like the simpsons where you know the mob fights going on and homer doesn't leave because he just knows that guy in the white suit's gonna do something cool as soon as he walks away (laughs) a little bit that's that's kind of i don't know sometimes my head cannon you know goes a little little stray maybe she she and tommy's mom from friday the 13th or how's this one (laughs) they didn't actually show cronus cutting those guys throats you just thought that's what happened (laughs) I submit <laughs> blind justice. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this, I, I don't know. I think this, I think we might be ready to, if, unless there's something else you want to call up. I think, I think I'm ready to head up, I, up into sales territory. I think that we have talked about all the, uh, the pertinent things. Yeah. So I, I have a pretty good guess on this one, just based on the to- the tenor of our conversation, but yeah. are, are, are you buying this week? Or I'm buying you- this movie. I wholeheartedly buy this movie. I was, so surprised by how much I enjoyed what was going on here. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you can't possibly have gathered that from any of the conversation we've had thus far. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, just this, everything about this movie pretty much worked. Well, that, that makes me feel a little bit better. Cause I, I, about something I felt was more calibrated for your tastes after my, my wild Friday, the 13th misfire. <laughs> I think, but, I think, you know what, though? I think maybe it is just Friday the 13th movies. Like, I, I don't know. Like, we'll get there. We'll, even uh, though I liked, even though I liked uh, four, 
yeah. I didn't love it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I know, and I, I, I want to keep doing the Friday the Thirteenth, and I, I think I've got an idea. I think it's important how we choose the next one. It is. It's, it's the high holidays. I, I've got, I've got to have something there for me. <laughs> I mean, it's his birthday. So. This whole podcast is for you. Don't, <laughs> don't go trying to sell that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I got a crispy here. I got a crispy. I want to hand out. Sure. <laughs> um. I'm gonna I'm gonna stay in my in my favorite scene in this movie, and I'm gonna give this to the star of the first season of The Avengers, who makes a little cameo appearance here. I really like Ian Hendry as Caro. I think as a as a one off character in this movie, like sure he sells it really well. I'm a I'm a I'm a big fan. I like I like the laugh. <laughs> yeah, no, I I can get behind that. Um, yeah, it, for me, I would probably go with uh. Professor Grust. Okay, yeah, it's... I, I like all the kind of like you knew you you could tell you know he he was he was a learned man he had he had lots of knowledge and lots of experience but he was also a little goofy <laughs> and he had yeah. some of the best lines in the movie I think yeah and he was a he's a he's a man of faith and yeah uh, yeah I, I think I think I think he does a good job here that's the uh, John Cater who, who played him I don't I don't have yeah I everybody. really enjoyed I really enjoyed him. Yeah, so I, I think we've now reached the part where we're going to talk a little bit about next time. What next? <laughs> so the next thing we're gonna we're gonna as we leave the month of of no vampire behind, mm-hmm. um, we're, this is still going to be a November episode, the next one. But that's just that's just the way the the cookie crumbles. What do you, what do you think of that name, by the way? I, I no vampire. I, I I simultaneously adore it and hate it. I mean, it's not accurate. <laughs> Well, no, but it's the month of November, and it kind of sounds like vampire, so it's no vampire. Oh, that's what it means. Yeah, even though it, it means the exact opposite of that. So that's, You're being uh... clever. <laughs> it's well-documented how I feel about things that are clever. Yes. Maybe not on this podcast, but... Yes, we, we, do like... we, we both worked with a, a, a person who admitted to Jed at one point that he likes it when things are clever. And you want to know if... If I did as well, if we had that in common. <laughs> well, it's, it's good to know that maybe you could catch back up and say, like, after much consideration, I have decided that I, too, like things that are clever. <laughs> I have to track him down. I don't know. He's gone. <laughs> um, in the wind. But, but yeah, for, for next time, we, we're we going to do another first. We, we did our first two vampire movies here. We hadn't touched on that. We're going to do a, a horror anthology. We're going to do... Uh, All right. A little, a little short story collection, um, and we're gonna do one called Southbound. Um, Southbound. Yes, which uh, rewatched it uh, recently and realized that we're gonna have our first, uh, I think, three time appearance, at least that I'm aware of. Uh, we got a doing some voice work. We got Larry Fassenden in this one again, so he's All right. uh, he's he's back. He's back, I baby. Enjoyed yeah. his work thus far. <laughs> so this is a more uh, a more current film. Then. Yes. Yeah. This was, uh, I believe, 2017. I'm gonna double check it before the episode comes out, but uh, I believe that's when it was released. Um, but yeah, it's a really fun one, and I, I it's now, got hey, a little hey, bit hey, of a... hey, 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 no editorializing. I'll decide whether or not it's fun. Okay, but it's got a, it's got a southwestern flair to it, which I, I I appreciate the kind of continuity in the storytelling to it. So I think we have, we got that to look forward to. Cool. So uh, we got a little little bit of business. Yes, some uh, business. Yeah. So please reach out to us our, at our Facebook group. Reach out to us on uh, Twitter at Scream Selling. Uh, our email How's that address. Going, by the way, has 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 that happened thus far? 
Um, we got we got followers. We got we got followers. We got people who reply to things. We got you know some celebrities who have liked some things I've said. So you know, oh. friend friends of the podcast, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Darcy, up. the male girl, Ted, Ted Gagan, the director of uh, We're Still Here, Barbara Crampton herself. As, as uh, you liked. know what? I cannot uh, I can't knock that. That's, that's <laughs> a real murderer's row. And yeah. I, I say that knowing that there's irony, but I don't oh. intend the irony. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's 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 going well. I, I, I always love uh, interacting with people on there, even if, uh, you know, I would liked it to. Maybe maybe be a little bit more a little bit more even so um yeah so reach reach out to us we uh, I I I promise I will probably not be the stupidest interaction you have with a human in 2020 it's uh, we're we're decent enough dudes come on (laughs) I'm gonna be like I'm gonna be probably top 10 percent but you know not not the worst I bet um yeah reach reach out to selling the screen promise. <laughs> Only in the top ten percent of, of biggest fucking idiots you met today. Uh, yeah, so that that uh that I think about does. Oh, uh, if, if the thing that really does help us, if you if you would be so inclined, um, if you'd be so charitable, is to rate and review us on iTunes. Um, that that helps get us out there. Um, the the iOS that I do see here, the the fully updated agreement. Um, is that they actually want you to uh, search the dark web if you have a negative review and install the original version of iTunes. That's the, the cursed version of iTunes that will bestow your horrible negative review upon us. Um, it's came pre-installed on the iPhone 9s. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's how they want you to do it. So please, please do it that way if you must. They're getting closer and closer to voodoo every time. <laughs> but I think that's all I got until we watch uh, Southbound for next time, and then we got we got the the Christmas season upon us. I'm looking forward to it. I got some. I think I got some bangers picked up. Well, I, I can't wait for that either. <laughs> Sounds great. I like bangers. Yeah, let's 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 do this. All right. Well, bye bye. Bye bye. Oh, thank you.